right. Well, I'm sitting again. Uh, I can't say it's my legs this time. I just ate too much. So, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Black Friday and Cyber Monday are the biggest shopping days of the year, uh, even more so than the days leading up to Christmas. Uh, there are big discounts, you know, the doorbuster. Sometimes uh, businesses will even um, lose money on items just to bring people in so that, you know, they gain money on all the other items. Um, but there's big discounts. We we know about some of the deals. Sometimes they let people know weeks in advance, so they get ready and get there ahead of time. And, and then sometimes it's surprises. you got to show up if you want to see what they have. Well, according to BlackFriday.com, this is from last year. We'll have updated statistics uh, from this year. But in 2020, Cyber Monday was the top day consumers planned to shop, 30% saying they planned to shop on Monday online compared to 24% for Black Friday. Well, in 2020, after the fact, there were some numbers. So Thanksgiving weekend, Thursday to Monday, uh, it, it drew 186.4 million U.S. shoppers, spending an average of $311.75 on gifts. Black Friday 2020, so just Thanksgiving and Friday alone, um, and you know a lot of stuff was closed on Thanksgiving last year and, and this year as well, but it raked in $14.13 billion in online sales, $9.3 billion, .03 billion on Black Friday, and $5.1 billion spent on Thanksgiving. That was a 19% increase over 2019. I thought that was a little bit interesting that you know, during the pandemic, people spent more money uh, than they did uh, before. But in, two in 2020, the top-selling products were probably the same this year or similar. Uh, they were uh, Hot Wheels, uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars, and Animal Crossing. So those are Nintendo video games. AirPods, uh, which is like uh, um, headphones, wireless headphones. Apple Watches, Lego sets, laptops, and Samsung and TCL 4K TVs. Uh, so toys and electronics. On Amazon, the top uh, products were the new Echo Dot, Fire Stick, Alexa Remote, Exploding Kittens card game. I've never played that. I don't think I want to. Uh, Philips Sonicare, Protective Clean Electric Toothbrush, Rocketbook, Rop, <laughs> Rocketbook Panda Planner, and Shark IQ Robot Self-Empty self Robot Vacuum. So again, a lot of technology. And then heading into Black Friday 2020, people said they wanted to shop for Clothes, 50%. Uh, home goods, small appliances, 39%. Toys, 21%. Uh, technology, 20%. TV, 70%. And uh, 17 And video games, 16%. Which was odd because people went to the store saying they were going to buy clothes and uh, appliances, but then they bought computers and games. Um, now, I, I just share this just because I like statistics, but I thought it would be appropriate this weekend uh, to talk about shopping a little bit just because of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. But not just because of the shopping, but the reason that most people do their shopping. Most people shop this weekend not for themselves, uh, but to buy gifts for others, buy, get their Christmas shopping going or done. And if we're going to spend this much time and energy and money on, on uh, buying gifts, then maybe we should be able to answer a question. What makes a good gift? What makes a good gift? Uh, you know, we have these questions like, um, what should I get for my wife this year? Or um, my dad's impossible to shop for. Or I have no idea, what are you supposed to buy for a 13-year-old? Um, so how do we measure the value of a gift? You know, some would say uh, it's the size, especially if it's a little kid on Christmas uh, with the biggest present under the tree. Um, but then as you get a little bit older, then it, maybe it's the cost. 
maybe uh, uh you know depending on how much they spend on me or uh maybe you get to a point where where you don't really care about money as much and then it's the uniqueness of the gift um does it is it something special sentimental does it, is it personalized well if you've ever wondered how people pick out uh, good presents some people you just think they always get it right i found these 10 insider tips that will help us to do the same just a list of of uh, ways to get it right when we buy gifts for others Number one, pay attention to the things they buy for themselves. Easy enough. Number two, consider the gifts they give others. Number three, use inside operatives, meaning ask, ask someone else who knows them better. Number four, observe what's needed. Uh, sometimes you just can tell, like, well, they need some new shoes, so I'm going to buy them new shoes. Um, number five, check out their design choices. Six, check out what they do for fun. Seven, give an experience instead of an object. Number eight, solve a problem. Number nine, review social media. Uh, we actually call that creeping, uh, online creeping, whenever you look at someone else's page and, and, uh, and just, just to be looking. Uh, and then number 10, personalize the impersonal. So you can find something like a coffee mug and then put a picture on it. Good to go. <laughs> that table's too close. Uh, well, last week, the idea was um, a gift uh, for everyone. It was, it was the gift of today, something that all of us, Today, we have this gift. It's here. Um, this gift, this morning, is also a very inclusive gift. And so what I'd like to do this morning is, is first consider what makes a good gift, and then think about a gift that God gave us all. And so why would his gift be so valuable? And it's the same reasons uh, that make our gifts valuable when we buy gifts for other people or receive them. And so we can measure the value of gifts in three ways. And it's all from our New Testament reading we're actually getting pretty close to the end, but we're in 1 John, 1 John chapter 4 today, starting at verse 9. It says this, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's it. That's our, that's our reading for today. And that actually gives us three, um, three reasons or, or uh, um, three descriptions of a good gift. And so I'm just going to go through this list here um, from verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. So number one, a good gift might be measured by a pure motive. Maybe someone gave you a gift out of obligation or, or guilt um, or to show off. You know, maybe someone, uh, it, you know, in the office, everyone buys each other gifts. So, well, since they buy them, then I guess I have to buy something this year for them. And uh, the whole family's doing a drawing, and I don't really want to buy anyone a gift this year, and I don't really want anything, but I have to be in the drawing because they are, so I'll just do it anyway. Um, or or maybe it's, uh, 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 we're in a drawing, and it's uh, $30 max. You can't spend more than $30, and someone spends $200 on a gift, kind of showing off a little bit, right? Maybe you'd like to receive that gift, but I, I would kind of be taken back by that a little bit. Uh, the, the motive behind a gift, it, uh, it, it takes away from the gift if it's not good. On the other hand, if a, motive is, is, um, if, if a gift is motivated by love, and then it doesn't really matter what it is. You know, if you think about what, what's your favorite gift that you've ever received, maybe just think about that for a second. What's, what's the best gift that you've ever, ever received? I don't know. I thought about a few different things, um, but ultimately, I think it comes down to the person giving you the gift. Um, if, in some way, they are able to show that they care for you or love you, then the gift matters. 
uh, some of the things that I keep, like things from my childhood, um, aren't so much things that I thought were really cool at the time, but have sentimental value. Like I have a pocket knife from my grandpa, and then I have another pocket knife from my great-grandpa on the other side. Um, and, and so those things just, you know, they don't really have a lot of um, monetary value probably, but they still mean a lot. And, and so um, verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. The motive behind God's gift was love. There are many reasons God sent his son. I, I, maybe I didn't say it at the beginning, but from that scripture, the gift is Jesus. The gift is salvation. The gift is eternal life. But the reason behind it is what made the gift good. He loved us. He loves us. God sent his son for many reasons. Uh, he sent Jesus to reveal his nature, uh, to glorify him, to accomplish salvation. But the biggest reason for God so loved the world, because God loved us. There's the motivation. You might even say that God would rather, would rather die than live without us. Max Lucado said, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk to him, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, and he chose your heart. And the Christmas gift he sent you in Bethlehem, face it, friend, he's crazy about you. How crazy? Well, it leads us to number two, from he sent his one and only son into the world. A good gift might be measured by its cost. Now, cost, again, can be measured in different ways. You might say monetary value. How much money did it cost? Uh, you might say how much time did someone put into it? How much energy did, did uh, uh, creativity did they put into it? How long did it take for this to happen? Was it, uh, well, we're on the way to the house, and, and we're going to pick up a gift card at Dollar General on the way, which... Sometimes we do that quite a bit. Um, or did they spend two months trying to find the perfect gift online or go out to stores and shopping? Uh, you just knew that they really put a lot into it. That's the cost. He sent his one and only son into the world. The gift of Jesus cost the Father. The gift of Jesus cost Jesus himself. Christmas is an amazing gift. It's an, it's a, an about amaz an amazing gift named Jesus. Jesus left heaven. He looked at the broken world. He looked at us, and he said, all right, it's time to do something about it. Why a manger? Why, why a lowly people? Why a teenage virgin as his mom? This gift is unlike any other. Now, this is offered to everyone, and it's full of hope. A personalized gift, but for everyone. The bi the, that big, amazing gift, um, the last one under the tree, that's not Christmas. That's not what we celebrate right now. Christmas is like the stocking stuffers, you know, the little gifts before. That's, that's what we celebrate right now. This is the beginning of something even bigger to come. And when we get to Easter, then we talk about the resurrection. We, we get to Good Friday first, the death of Jesus. That's the big gift. This is the start. But when this happened, this led to that. And, and so this was the beginning of something really big. Verse 10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We see just a little bit, but it leads to a mission. And, and the, the passage is that we might live through him, which leads to number three, a good gift might be measured by its usefulness. Jesus said it this way, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
not just life, not just existence, not just surviving, but life which means something, life that has worth, life with purpose, life with, with value, a life with eternal consequences and benefits. One of the most beloved songs of Christmas started out as an advertising gimmick. In 1939, Montgomery Ward, that's, that was a, for, for the younger people, that was a store, like a department store, <laughs> not a person. <laughs> Uh, Montgomery Ward tapped advertising executive uh, Robert May to write a poem uh, that their store Santa Claus could give away to children who came to visit him. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer first appeared in a little booklet published by the department store chain. More than two and a half million copies were handed out. By 1946, more than six million copies of the poem had been distributed. Rudolph's story came to a musical life in 1949 when May's brother-in-law, Johnny Marks, wrote the music. And af after it was turned down by Bing Crosby and Dinah Shore, singing cowboy Gene Autry recorded it. And today, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is the highest-selling Christmas carol uh, at more than 25 million units. But what makes this carol so loved? Uh, some people might say it's the courage of Rudolph, the alleged hero of the story. But the real beauty of the story is the focus on grace. By grace, Santa chooses Rudolph the uh, despite the fact that he's a clear outsider and a reject. He has a defect, his, his big, annoyingly shiny red nose, that usually disqualifies him from getting chosen for reindeer games. But despite all the other available candidates, who did Santa choose when the fog rolled in? See, the, the weakness that was, was once considered a liability by Rudolph and his fellow reindeer became the strength that Santa used to accomplish his mission. God's gift of, of his son, Jesus, is useful. It gives us life, and despite our weaknesses, it gives us meaning and value and purpose. We have a use if we allow him to use us. And so uh, this, this sermon, it's, uh, you know, two verses. I, I would say um, I, I didn't do a, a huge in-depth Bible study um, on, on 1 John. Um, it, it's uh, maybe even a little shallow. And I'm okay with that, because, uh, when, when, but when I do this, I still always ask the question, um, why does this matter? Like, how, how could uh, knowing the use of, of gifts, um, and, and specifically God's gift, change your life? How could, it, how could we apply this? Uh, how might it make, uh, make a difference? Well, you know uh, about gift cards, um, you know, when you're not putting any time into the gift card. And, and the, so they kind of get a bad rap of being impersonal. But the most requested holiday gift for 13 years in a row was gift cards. In 2019, more than 59% of people surveyed uh, said they wanted a gift card this holiday season. Yet almost $3 billion in gift card, gift card value, monetary value, went unused in 2019 alone. $3 billion just sitting there, just gone. It sounds like retailers win on that, but actually they have to count it as a liability until it's used, so it doesn't know, it's not always good for them. But w the gift is nice. The gift card is nice, but it has to be used. We accept the gift of Jesus um, by accepting him as our Savior and Lord. That's the start. We, we use it, I, I even hate using that word kind of, but we use it now by trusting Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we trust his word, and by living with this mindset that we love others and that uh, we will live forever. I found a story that I think helps illustrate the use of our gifts. It's kind of a modern-day parable. 
Once upon a time, there was a famous house builder and painter. After designing the homes, he would then build and paint them. As a painter, he was such an amazing artist that he didn't even need drop cloths. He had a steady hand. He was finicky about using good brushes and quality paint, so there, was, there were no drips, just tight trim lines. This, this craftsman always designed, built, and painted homes all by himself with his own hands, but then one day he had a remarkable idea. As he was standing by one of his houses, he saw a bunch of kids walking home from the local elementary school. They were minding their own business, laughing, carrying their backpacks, until he shouted, Hey, kids! And they looked up, startled and awestruck, because everyone in town knew about his amazing skills. He asked them a surprising question. How would you like to do some painting? What do you mean? I'll tell you what, he said. I'll give each of you kids a bucket of paint and a brush, and you can paint my new house. You want to give it a try? For real? Yep, for real. He opened up the back of his truck and pulled out uh, a load of brushes and paint cans and then pried open the paint cans. They started splashing paint on his garage door. They got paint on the sidewalk, too, and some each other. But they also got a lot of paint on the house, all different colors, especially on the parts of the house that were under four feet high. As other kids came by on the sidewalk, they asked, can we do that, too? And they joined in. In about an hour, most of the first floor was now covered with paint. The house, painter, house painter's neighbors came over after dinner and took it all in. What's going on, they asked. Another blurted out, look, I got to be honest. Your house looks like a tornado ripped through Sherwin-Williams. What were you thinking? Well, the house painter said, of course I could have painted this house all by myself. And I've always built and painted houses in order to bring joy to others. So based on that goal... This is the most beautiful house I've ever made. Then dozens of their friends will want to come to this house. They'll bring their friends to show what they've painted. And each one will say, this is the home of the master painter and builder. But it's also our house. In the same way, when God the Father, the master creator, the painter of the world, pours out his Holy Spirit on his followers, his hands, uh, ev every single one of us can, can paint. We don't like to paint. <laughs> a lot of people tell me they don't like to paint. It's not really about, about paint. But it's about this idea that he says, go to work. Use your gifts. Use your gift of salvation, the hope. Use, use the Holy Spirit, and the courage that we have because of that, the wisdom, the intercession from God to us because of the Spirit. And he says, go to work and let's paint a beautiful house for the world. When we get involved in this, when we start to uh, make it our own faith, uh, when we know that, that it's God's house and we're only a part of it, but when we are involved, that's when we can start to bring others in. That's when people look and say, I want to be a part of that too. But in order for this to happen, in order for this to matter, in order for any life change, we have to accept this gift. We have to open it, and we have to use it. So in just a moment... We're going to move into our time of communion and offering. As we go into our, our time of communion, we're reminded as to why this is such an important gift. Timothy Keller says, Imagine an aging man whose hearing is failing, but who is in denial about it. He usually complains that it is other people who are mumbling, but finally his wife gets him to get, go get his hearing tested. The clear verdict is that he needs hearing aids, but when he sees what they cost, he's taken back. He says, we can't afford that, but his wife counters and says, buy the best ones and consider it a gift from me. 
That sounds nice, but the man realizes that to accept this gift is to admit weakness. It would be like saying, thanks, thanks so much for this. Indeed, I am an aging man who can't hear what people are telling me. There is no way to receive some gifts unless we admit our need. We realize that, that this gift of Jesus is unlike any other, and without it, we lose out on life. We lose out on heaven. We lose out on eternal joy. And so we give thanks. We come to this time of communion to give thanks for the gift of Jesus, who was given out of a pure motive, out of love for us, who, who, cost, who, who gave and was willing to pay everything, his life. And I think who is far more useful than we could ever imagine. What would it look like if we truly received this, not just opened it and enjoyed it for ourselves, but used it to share this life-changing hope with the world? Let's pray. Father, I first thank you for the gift. We thank you for Jesus. Uh, we thank you that uh, you saw us um, in the world that, that we messed up, a beautiful world that you gave us, yet we decided to choose other things, decided not to be obedient, decided not to uh, love you first, um, but that didn't change your love for us. And so I thank you that not only did you tell us, but you proved uh, through giving your son. And so... Um, Today, I just pray that, that we accept this, uh, that we open and enjoy it, uh, that when we, when we sing praises, uh, when we fellowship with one another, when we study your word, it's not just out of uh, obligation um, or, or duty, uh, but out of, out of joy, because when we open your word, it's a love story, a love letter from you to us, uh, capped off by you sending your son to prove that. And so I pray that our lives would be different and that the world would, would be different because of what you've done for us. So we thank you for Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen.